Amen. Amen. The world will normally declare. Let's do it together. One, two, let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It's giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. Understanding is your portion again in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, can you quickly open your Bibles? Don't sit down. Open your Bibles quickly to the book of Psalm chapter 18. The book of Psalms chapter 18. We are going to read the whole of the book. And we are going to stop reading the verse um, 50. It's asked 50 verses. So this is what we are going to do. I will read one verse and you will read the next verse. I will use the New Living Translation. All right? Just to make it easy. So I take one verse, you take the next verse. All right? Now read it like if you are alive and you are well. If you are alive and you are well, give me an amen. Amen. Remember... After power has been generated, the Bible says that there's a power that works in us who believe. That power has to be released through our mouths. I hope you're getting my point. It's not just speaking right words that life is about. It's about, first of all, having power inside you. And that power is not expressed in the words that are spoken. All right? So be it in mind, Christians must learn to speak the word of God. Christians must learn to utter you know, words that are based upon the power of God that's already been generated inside them. The Bible says that Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power. He upholds, it's not as if he upheld. It's a, const- it's a constant flow of the word that matters. We must make it our habit to always make sure that the word is flowing through our mouths. Alright, so we'll be talking about that. Let's just read this, we'll read everything. And read it as if you're alive and well. If you're alive and well, give me an amen. amen. Alright. I'll read verse 1, you read verse 2. Say, I love you, Lord, you are my strength. Verse 2. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock, in whom I have protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. Verse 3. I called on the Lord, who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. Verse 4. The ropes of death entangled me. Floods of destruction swept over me. Verse 5, the grave wrapped its ropes around me. Death laid a trap in my path. 6, but in my distress I cried to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help. He heard me from the sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ears. Verse 7, then the earth quaked and trembled. The foundations of the mountains shook. They quaked because of his anger. 8, Smoke poured from his nostrils, yes, flames leaped from his mouth, growing coals blazed forth from him. Verse 9, he opened the heavens and came down. Dark storm clouds were beneath his feet. 10, mounted on a mighty angelic being, he flew, soaring on the wings of the wind. 11, he shrouded himself in darkness, veiling his approach with dark rain clouds. 12, Thick clouds shielded the brightness around him and rained down hail and burning coals. The Lord thundered from heaven. 
the voice of the Most High resounded amid the hail and burning coals. 14. He shot his arrows and scattered his enemies. Great balls of lightning flashed, and they were confused. Verse 15. Then at your command, O Lord, at the blast of your breath, the bottom of the sea could be seen, and the foundations of the earth were laid bare. 16. He reached down from heaven and rescued me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemies, from those who hated me and were too strong for me. 18. At the moment, when I was in distress, but the Lord supported me. He led me to a place of safety. He rescued me because he delights in me. 20. The Lord rewarded me for doing right. He restored me because of my innocence. For I have kept the ways of the Lord. I have not turned from my God to follow evil. 22. I have followed all his regulations. I have never abandoned his decrees. 23. I am blameless before God. I have kept myself from sin. 24. The Lord rewarded me for doing right. He has seen my innocence. 25. To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To those with integrity, you you show integrity. 26. To the pure, you show yourself pure. To the crooked, you show yourself shrewd. 27. You rescue the humble, but you humiliate the proud. 28. You light a lamp for me. The Lord my God lights up my darkness. In your strength, I can crush an army. With my God, I can scale any wall. God's ways is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. Is a shield for all who look to him for protection. For who is God except the Lord? Who but our God is a solid rock? God arms me with strength. He makes my way perfect. 33. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, enabling me to stand on mountain heights. He hands for battle. Stretches my arm to draw a bronze ball. You have given me your shield of victory. Your right hand supports me. Your help has made me great. You have made a white path for my feet to keep them from slipping. I chased my enemies and caught them. I did not stop until they were conquered. I struck them down as they could not get up. They fell beneath my feet. You have armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued my enemies under my feet. You placed my foot in their necks. I have destroyed all who hated me. They called for help, but no one came to their rescue. They even cried to the Lord, but he refused to answer. I ground them as fine as dust in the wind. I swept them into the gutter like dirt. You gave me victory over my accusers. You appointed me ruler over nations. People I don't even know now serve me. As soon as they hear of me, they submit. Foreign nations cringe before me. They all lose their courage and come trembling from their strongholds. The Lord lives, praise to my rock, and the God of my salvation be exalted. He is a God who pays back those who harm me. He subdues the nations under me and rescues from my, me from my enemies. He holds me safe beyond the reach of my enemies. He saved me from violent opponents. For this, O Lord, I will praise you among the nations. I will sing praises to your name. You give great victories to your king. You show unfailing love.
you are anointed to God and to David and all his descendants forever. Can we just lift our hands and give the Lord thanks for these things? Because he has driven the enemies away from us. He has caused us to triumph over every trouble of life. Let's give him thanks because he gives great victories to us as his people. Let's thank him. Because by his strength, we can win battles that people thought we could not win. Let's give thanks to him again. Because he shows himself faithful. Thank him. Because in his strength, we can crush an army. Let's thank him because he's a light, he's a light for us. He has lit, he has, he lit our lamp and is a God who lights our darkness. Let's give him thanks again this afternoon and say, Lord, we thank you. Because even though I was attacked in the time of my distress, yet the Lord supported me. That he led me to a place of safety. He has rescued me because he delights in me. Let's give thanks. Because of the righteousness we have in Christ Jesus, he has shown his mercy to us. Let's give him thanks again. Let's never forget to utter our thanksgiving to him. It's a way of activating the things that he has done for us in the spirit. It shows that we truly believe what he has done. It shows that we trust in what he has done. Let's give him thanks. Because he's our rock, he's our fortress, he's our savior, he's our God. It's in him we have protection. He's a shield around us. He's our deliverer. He's our place of safety. Anytime we call on him, we are saved from all our troubles. We are saved from all our enemies. Let's give him praise. Because it's a God that scatters all our enemies. Enemies of troubles, enemies of sicknesses, enemies of temptations, enemies of hardship. Even human enemies. There are people, literally happens. People who plot evil against others. We don't worry about them because God shoots his arrows and scatters them all. Great bolts of lightnings flash and it confuses the enemies. At his breath, at his command, the bottom of the sea can be seen. And the foundations of the earth are laid bare. Let's give praise to our God because indeed he is the ruler amongst the nations. Let's give him praise. Father, we worship. We give you all the praise. In the name of Jesus we have prayed. In Jesus' name we have prayed. The Lord is good. Let's take our seats quickly then we will rise up again and declare more of the word of God. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. All right, let's just continue studying. Um, of course, we are going, it's our school of prayer. What, we are, what I hope for us to do this time is to do a lot of declaring of the word of God. Because no matter what we have imbibed inside us, that thing doesn't have power except we constantly uphold, like Jesus, all things by the word of his power. That is, the power of God working in us has to be released by what... Um, by, no, by the words that we speak. Let me, I just feel like reading that again. The book of Mark chapter 11. Like, just looking for a text of scripture to take. We'll take two of them. First of all, Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. And after that, we'll go to Psalm 103. I just want to bring out something from that Mark chapter 11 concerning what happened with the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 11. Jesus entered Jerusalem and came into the temple. And after looking around at everything, he left for Bethany with the twelve, since it was already late. 
On the next day, when they left Bethany, he became hungry. Seeing at a distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if perhaps he would find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. He said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples were listening. Now notice that he spoke on a particular day. Then they came to Jerusalem, and they entered the temple and began to drive out those who were buying and selling and all of those things. Then verse 19, I'm jumping a number of verses now. When evening came, they would go out of the city. As they were passing by in the morning, that is what they used to do evening, remember, he would go to Bethany. Now, next time he was passing in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. Being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered, saying to them, Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and cast into the sea. Be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart but believes what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Now bear that in mind. It will be granted him. Let me just read the rest of it. Uh, which verse was I? Verse 24. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted you. That's, that's, let me just stop in that verse 24 there. Now notice what he said here. Whoever says to this mountain, be taken up, and cast into the sea, but does not doubt in his heart, but believe that what he says, all right, is going to happen. It will be granted him. Now, let me quickly read that in the Amplified Bible. I want to just bring out something here. I have the classic version of the Amplified, the old one. Verse 22. When they said to him, look at the tree that you cursed, it has died. He said, if I like the way Amplified says verse 21. Master, he said, look, the fig tree which you doomed has withered away. I like that expression. The fig tree which you do what? You doomed. I like it. He doomed the tree. <laughs> I think we should know the meaning of the word curse. That's a very good one, right? And Jesus replied and say, said to them, have faith in God constantly. Have faith in God constantly. That's very important. That have faith in God constantly. Literal Hebrew, sorry, Greek for some, they will explain to us that it said have the faith of God. I combine everything together and I find this very, very instructive what the Amplifier says here. It says have faith in God constantly. Now, why am I reading? Okay, let's just pause. Let's go over to the Hebrews, um, the book of um, Psalms, right? I said we should open to Psalm 103, right? Quickly, Psalm 103. Let me quickly read the other ones before I start doing my talking, lest I forget to read them. Verse 19. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his sovereignty rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Verse 21. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, who serve him, doing his will. Bless the Lord all works of his, 
in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. I want you to notice that verse 20. He said, mighty in strength is angels. They perform, you know, the, said, who perform his word. That they, whatever he has commanded, they perform it. How do they do that? They, they do that in obedience to the voice of his word. Very important we understand that. Now, what was David saying to us here? I've explained that in last week. That when he says that obey the, they obey the voice of his word. Which means that anywhere the word is coming from. As long as the word is the word of God, all right, the angels will obey. They don't care who is speaking it. As long as it is the word of God, they will obey the words. You understand my point? That is why when God has released a word, he will put that word in the mouth of a prophet. And the prophet will go somewhere and utter the word that God has spoken. And the angels will treat the word of the prophet as if it was the Lord himself that was speaking. That is how they behave. All right? So, if we want angels to move on our behalf, those days, uh, we know some of the things we learned those days, you know, we have to modify some of those drugs along the, along the line. And then we take from the book of Hebrews that it says that over angels, uh, they, they, are, they minister for those who will inherit salvation. So we're taught that we'll command angels. You know, you tell angels, go, go and do this, go, go and do that. And, you know, and then sometimes, some of them, they sound very nice and romantic, but you just look to your Bible and you will not find one person would behave like that at any point in time. So as nice and as beautiful as this, you know, that doctrine seemed, uh, it doesn't have any precedence in the Bible. There's nobody we can use as an example that we are following. Now, every time you hear things, I try and just strike a balance. Are you getting my point? I don't believe now. You just get up in the morning, like we used to say, tell an angel, go and block the road. That man cannot go out. You know, we had some this kind of reckless faith those days. You understand my point? <laughs> Okay, so people just say they want to use the angel to harass people. They don't have those, that commandment. We don't have, as in a human music, instruction to command them like that. However, the Bible says to us, they do what? They hearken, they obey the voice of his word. That is, can I command angels indirectly? Yes. How do I do that? I just utter the word of God. I just utter the word of God. Once I do that, they are commanded. Are you getting my point? It's part of their build-up. It's part of their makeup. Once they hear the word of God uttered, that's what we mean by the voice of his word. Once it is uttered, they go forth, and they begin to do what God has instructed. Even though, you know, that when you speak, it's as if you are speaking for God. That's just the way they react. So if you want angels to move, instead of saying, angels, get up in the morning, go and bring me food. Angels, get up. They are not your servant in that, like that. Are you getting my point? They are not like your servant in that regard. I just okay, angels make my bed. Angels cook my food. That's not it. If God has instructed something, for example, you wake up in the morning and say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And there is nothing in the house. There is lack around. Once you utter that, the angels will go and find what is missing and they will bring it. Not because you say, angels, go, go and bring me food. No, because you released the word of God they respond to what God spoke. Whichever voice is now repeating what God has said, they will respond to that. Let's read that last scripture which we read before. Hebrews, quickly. It's important we get the way these things work. The book of Hebrews chapter 13. For time's sake, I'll just jump to the verse we want. Verse 5. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money. Being content with what you have. For he himself has said, 
I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. As a result, verse 6, we confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? Now, what I will bring from here again, anytime we want to speak in life, let's make sure our speech, our words, are built, derived from what God has already spoken. Are you getting my point here? For example, if I want to analyze the situation around me in an economy, in a country, or there is a plague, there is a trouble, I hear it. Are you getting my point? From, from the news, or people are discussing it. I make, you know, we say all the time that Christians reason. We are not fanatical people. Are you getting my point? As if we don't know, we just do anything we like. No. It is just that the word of God is part of our reasoning process. Are you getting my point? People say, how do you say for retirement? We first go to our Bible and find out whether he said anything about that. Do you follow? It doesn't, now let me not get into that because I'll get carried away. We just go into our Bible, find out what did he say about it. For us, it is tangible. I don't want to use the word counsel, but just borrow that for a moment. It's sound counsel. If he says, don't worry about tomorrow, we'll not do anything out of panic. We'll not do anything out of worry. He say, you don't know what tomorrow holds. We say, but we know who holds tomorrow. Are you getting my point? That's just the way we reason. You know, it's not as if we are careless people. We are not careless people. We just know. We have information that other people don't have. So anytime we are responding to situations, that is part, that is, is part and parcel of how we reason so as to bring forth our words. For example, somebody says, ah, this person is critically ill, or this, the doctor says that I detected that something is wrong with you, you are going to die and you will not live. You will go and say, no, what he said is that I will live and not die. And listen, let me give an example. I just have one beautiful illustration. Assuming you are sick, you understand my point? Somebody is sick, goes to a doctor, and doctor writes a diagnosis, and he gives a prognosis, that is, a likely outcome. Many times we we'll do what we call a second opinion. It's very common. It's standard practice. Because no doctor is God. They make mistakes. They, look, let me not start. If, you find, if I take, give you examples of doctors, mistakes doctors make, you won't go there again. Not because anything is wrong with medicine, just because human beings are the ones practicing it. I hope you're getting my point. Uh-huh. I, have, I remember all those when I was doing NYC. I have written a prescription before. For a patient whose blood pressure was very, very high and she was pregnant, we're trying to, and the baby had died, we're trying to get the baby out and all of that. Okay, get, go and get this drug. They went and got it. Supposed to bring her blood pressure down. Okay? Somebody misread what I wrote and prescribed what to take, take the blood pressure up. And it was given, <laughs> I think, what saved that girl that day was that she was very young and very fit, naturally speaking. If they had done that to an older person, I would have come back to meet a cops. So it's not, 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 no big deal. No, please, I'm not trying to say medicine is bad. I'm not going to say it's practiced by human beings. That's what I'm saying. And human beings make mistakes. I mean, the other day, a pilot took off from somewhere in Europe, heading for London and landed in Scotland. There was nothing wrong with, with the weather. There was nothing wrong with the instruments. <laughs> you, you, you heard the story when it happened. You know, in fact... There was nothing wrong with the weather, nothing wrong with any of the airports, but the pilot is a human being. The person who wrote the instructions is a human being. This pilot took off instead of landing in, you know, um, in London, landed somewhere in Scotland. The witness is because of that, we won't fly again. <laughs> so I'm just going to emphasize that human beings make mistakes. So that's why there's a culture when a doctor gives a drastic opinion. 
and it gives a very serious matter, you know, diagnosis. So we routinely, patients, enlightened patients routinely ask for a second opinion. We call it second opinion. Okay, let's go to another specialist. Let him do the test again and see whether what we are saying is, you know, is, is right. You understand? Jonathan, why am I telling so many stories? One of my colleagues, the other day, the younger brother, had a stone in the kidney and all of that. I was having serious pain. So we went to the doctor, specialist, said that I will operate and remove the stone. Okay, fine, no problem. Then I went to another doctor. That one looked, looked at it, a more experienced person looked, looked and said, Operation will remove the stone, but it has too many complications. Can you drink water? The guy said, yes, he said, drinking water. It will go away after a few weeks. So the guy went on water therapy. He drank water like Steve wanted to drown. He drank water like fish. Are you getting my point? And of course, in about you know, six weeks to two months, the thing dissolved. Do you get my point? So we do that. You go around now. This is what I'm trying to say. So if a human doctor, and another thing, if a young doctor, see, I just told you a story now. The first doctor was a younger specialist. The other one was an older man. He has seen stones. He has seen rocks. He has seen boulders in people's kidneys. So <laughs> he looked at this one. said, this is your rock. It's, pet, it's Petros. You don't need the surgery for Petra. Are you the difference between Petros and Petra? So he decided that I'll use water for it. You'll suffer pain for some time, but you'll be fine. And the guy was fine. See senior doctor, junior doctor, right? Good. Let's rank doctors in this life. Who's the most junior doctor? The one that just leaving school. Humanly speaking, who's the very senior one? Let's just borrow the name professor. Doesn't matter, but let's just say one professor. But who's the most senior? Jesus is the most senior. I, I hope you're getting my point. He's the most senior. He's the most senior. So if everybody says one thing, we'll go for a second opinion if we don't think he's in agreement with what we desire. And who is the best person to ask his opinion? He's not the most senior one. So he will turn our big problem to a water problem. Do you get my point? You are getting the logic here. <laughs> so, so when we go to the scriptures to read, we are not trying to pacify ourselves. We are saying the doctor has his own clinic. He has his own assessment. If he says something and it contradicts what the junior doctor is saying, we go with the senior guy. The other boys can make mistakes. He doesn't make mistakes. For the other boys, some things are incurable. For him, nothing is incurable. We're not being fanatical. We're just being reasonable. I mean, did that my guy, was he a fanatic when he went with the instruction of the other guy? No. Did he not get his results? He did. You're not going fighting. You're a fanatic. No, you're not a fanatic. If you don't believe my Jesus, is your problem. Do you get my point? So, you know, that's what we call second opinion. We'll go and find out what the senior fellow has said. Now, this one I'm making. Now, when we find that out, it becomes part of what, you know, that now forms the basis of our response to the situation. Once I was in clinic as a student, and one woman came with her daughter, and the girl wasn't hearing again. You know the way mothers, you can imagine, the mother panicked. This girl is going deaf. Do you understand? She was, she was going deaf. They will call her, she will not hear. So they started, you know the way it is. You are too stubborn, you are too stubborn. She wasn't stubborn, she wasn't hearing. Her ears were glued. Of course, she was a normal hearing child. And then the mother, ah, of course, she panicked, ran to the hospital. They referred her to the specialist. And we students were in the clinic that day, and the specialist was teaching. So when she came, told the whole story, told the whole story, the man took his equipment, looked into her ears, looked into her throat, did everything, and then I never forget that experience. He now t- didn't talk to the mother, turned to us, the students, and said, 
Uh, this is a case of secretary or Titus media. Pardon my big English. That what happens is that um, something is blocking something in the throat, and then inside the middle ear, water is gathering, and it's preventing the ear, you know, hammer, anvil, those things you learned in biology, from moving. So the, if you check, the eardrum is bulging a bit. So what we are going to do is very simple. I'm going to give her something to decongest, so, 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 and so. I, you know, as it was explained to us, I saw the mother. She couldn't stop. Her face beamed. She suddenly became happy. And the man just says, it's a simple thing. We are going to treat it with just, you know, NASA drops, interestingly. And they gave her some, said, drop in the nose. The woman said, the nose or the ear. The doctor said, I said the nose. It's the ear that's blocking. But what is causing the problem is so, we will assess it through the nose. What I'm bringing out is that she w- was again hearing better that day. No, answer me. Answer me confident, confidently. But why was she happy? She had heard the, the you know, let's, let's use the word, the decree of the specialist. And that one said, it shall be well. Do you understand my point? That there is nothing serious wrong with your daughter. It is well. The moment she, she said it, ha! Ah, the, the woman was so happy. Oh God, the excitement looked at the daughter. You are not going deaf. You will not be deaf. Why? Because a human being said she will not be deaf. So sometimes we also read the testimony of the Lord. And let's not get scared. Look, that girl's case, she, the mother should get scared. Thank God she went to the right place. Because if she went to some people that don't know anything, they will give two concussions, drop two in the right ear, three in the left ear. Then by the time they are done, the girl's eardrums will perforate and she will now become deaf. But she went to the right place. The man said, don't worry, we won't touch the ears. We'll give you something to you know, bend the head like this, drop it in the nose, this number of times a day. The whole obstruction will clear. The water will drain. She'll start hearing normally. I will never forget that. The way the mother reacted. She believed his word. And she went her way. Is that not your Bible like that? Yes. <laughs> he said, go. Your daughter leaves. Moved. She left that place excited. That's the kind of excitement we should have when we read instructions of the Almighty. He said, we rejoice at thy word. Not at the experience. At thy word. As one who has already received plenty treasure. Are you getting my point? So when God said, when that man said, this girl will be fine. I'm going to give you this small uh, NASA drops. Use it in a number of days. She'll be fine. The mother was happy. We should rejoice at God's word like that. Knowing that it will come to pass as he has promised. So, I said Christians are not fanatics. We are not. We just believe that Jesus is serious. And that he knows better than every other doctor. I hope you know Jesus is a doctor. Look, let's talk about Jesus for a moment. You know, people don't realize the kind of person that um, he is. I hope you know he's the best architect there is. You know that? Now, that's not a joke. He's an architect. Every house is built by some man. The architect of all things, the builder of all things is who? Is God. He's an architect. And he's the best there is. Things he has built. We can't build anything close to it till now. Last time I was talking about biomimicry. It's a field of engineering now, engineering design. People now go and learn what God has built 
to use to build their own. Do you understand? Designed for fast trains, mimic the beak of a bird, the kingfisher bird. Somebody built a building, cut down the uh, power consumption by something between 75 and 90 percent by building it using the ant hill. Do you understand my point? Okay? The people just observe, like, it's a, it's a field of science. You take, look at something, why is this tree hanging like this and not falling down? They will pull the tree out, analyze the structure, and then go and build something in real life. And I think we stand. You know what they call Velcro? How many people know what they call Velcro? You know what they call Velcro? The rest of people are looking at what is Velcro. Anyway, there are times you have straps. You know, these things that tear. When you, when you want to open something, you hear this as if it's tearing. You use it for shoes, for wristwatch straps, for you know, buying books, all kinds of things. You know how a man developed it? Just like, you know when you walk through grass, sometimes seeds will get stuck on your, on your clothes. You understand? And they don't come off easy. You've tried to remove them before. You know, you can't shake them off. You have to settle down there and say, oh boy, come off. I cast you out. This is my trouser. You know that kind of thing. So one man sat down one day and said, ah, how is this thing hanging there? Brought under the microscope and looked at it. I said, hey, is that the trick? Went to the lab, created his own, and patented it, and that's what you now call Velcro. It's biomimicry. They just copy things that the Lord has done. So the Lord is the best designer there is. He's a designer. He's a designer. He's a composer. You can't do better poetry than the one he has done in the Bible. When the Spirit comes upon the prophets, the kind of poetry that they write, that is the Spirit of Jesus. Perhaps the Spirit of Christ in them. That's what I was speaking. If it's music, you can't go near. The kind of music he has released. Uh, oh, let's not talk about the preaching. When he's preaching, his words penny. You know? When I'm preaching, <laughs> like, yeah, that's good, that's good. I was blessed. No, not when Jesus is preaching, you're not blessed. The word, you'll be feeling it tearing. <laughs> Are you getting my point? The word will be entering you like sharp needles, sharp knives, arrows, penetrating. Do you understand? That, look, it hits, the, that's how, when he's preached, and that's it, you know, Jesus doesn't really teach, he preaches. There's no profession that he's not the, the biggest, the best. You know he is a senior advocate of the universe. Is there any lawyer like him? He's our advocate with the father. Even a soldier, he's probably call him the man of what? War. Let him not fight you. He's small, small boys. You know what they do to we're looking at the other time, one eighty five thousand Assyrian soldiers. One of the angels behind him one night. If it is military. You don't go near him. There's no profession where he's not the best. There's none. There is none. You know, another thing I just realized, very funny. You know, he's also the greatest destroyer. If he wants to level everything, you know what he needs to do? He will just stand there. And the mountains will melt like wax. And this, he just, as he's just walking by, mountains will start melting like wax. There's no, there's no, not, there's nothing you want to dis- describe that he's not the ultimate. That's Jesus. The problem we have this is that we don't preach Jesus. We preach a lot of common sense. One man called me today. He said the problem he has is that when you go to church, the minister is trying to organize a program. 
that when people go to church, they don't hear the gospel. They hear too much motivational speech, business arrangement. We don't preach Jesus. Now, what, what am I saying all of these things? Beyond all of that, you know what he is? He's the greatest physician. He's a surgeon, physician, gynecologist, neurologist, neurosurgeon. There's nothing that he is not. What you research for 10 years to fix, he touches it like this. Just one touch. This person was born blind. How did we make eyes in the beginning? The angel said, you took clay. You know, you formed man out of what? The dust of it. Let's make new eyes now. Are we out of business in eye making? So he bent down, wrapped small clay, put it there. Told the man, go and wash. By the time he got there, what that man saw to wash off was just the, the remnant clay. The eye had collected enough, reformed, formed new eyes inside it. I said, okay, go. <laughs> Imagine you open a clinic where you put fresh eyes for those born blind. You know how the queue will be now. The Lord is good. There is nobody like this Jesus. There is no, you know, we often think of him as a, a prophet, you know, Lamb of God. Lamb of God is true, but that's, I wish we know that's not all there is to him. Lamb of God is true. We know we look at him and say, just killed in the power of his blood, now we are free. Do you know what you are talking about? That, <laughs> yes, that is true, but when he rose up, he took up his real garment. When they say, what is the problem? They are all sick. He carries his medical equipment spiritually and goes there and cures them. He sent his word and delivered them. And the word, you know, you know, what is he He sent his word and healed them. And the word delivered them from all their destructions. That's how it is. I hope you're getting my point. You know, I've seen a number of times experiences. I've had those experiences myself. You know, when we go to see human doctors, you know, you sit down gingerly. What is the problem? You tell him. Then he starts analyzing what, you know, is wrong with you. And you are very patient with him. All right? And he tells you what to do. You know, this is where I'm going. I pray we will treat the Lord like that. I pray we will stop treating him like a prayer idol. You know the call prayer idol? When you want to pray, you put the shigidi in the correct corner. And you bow to, that's how we treat Jesus. We don't treat him as a living person. Now, I want to say something. Mark it. Don't forget it. Anybody that treats the Lord Jesus as a real person, that he is, you will always get the results that he promised. I'm telling you the truth. What we do, we treat him like an idol of prayer. What do you want? You want prosperity. You go to the corner of your room. And you begin to pray. Prosperity. Here. Right now. At the end of the day, it's like it's a show. But if you realize you are talking to the Lord that gives the power to get wealth. When you go to that corner and say, Lord, can we talk? You take the position that you feel appropriate. There are different positions of, stand, of talking to the Lord. Sometimes standing straight, head lifted, hands stretched out. Sometimes head bowed, chest beaten. No, there are different ones. <laughs> Is that not your Bible? One guy was beating his chest. Sometimes he's sitting. Sometimes it is kneeling. He says, sitting? Yeah, David went and sat before the Lord. 
There are different, there are different ways. But whichever one treats like you are talking to somebody. Lord, I came to see you. What is the issue? I need to improve this design. I am the engineer in charge of this project. We have met a river. I don't know how to do the bridge to cross it because of mud on this side, this on this side, this on that side, and the budget we have did not envisage, not put that into account. And when you're talking your mind, you're talking to the chief engineer of the universe. Not God to whom everything is possible. You know, you are the God of the living and the dead. Look, all your bridges are dead, so this one doesn't... The fact that it's a bridge, forget that thing. Come there, you know, narrow his title, the chief engineer of the universe. He has designs that human beings have not yet seen. Sometimes that kind of one is engineering consultation. So you sit at the table, your paper spread out with a sketch of the terrain. Lord, please, I need help. So what do you need help with? I need to cross this river within the budget. I can't go back. You know, we bid it for the job. It's your money, not my money. We'll be there for the job. They approved 3.5 billion naira for it. As I'm seeing it, if I go the conventional way, crossing this bridge, no, crossing this river is going to eat 70% of the money. And we, and we have the rest of the road and two more bridges to do. Do we go bankrupt and put, take your name, you know, disgrace you? Listen, you would design a new bridge that National Geographic will come and record and show on extreme engineering. You know, extreme structures, mega structures. I'm telling you that you're approaching the Lord with an attitude. And what is the attitude? You are the chief engineer. In a story I've told here before, my wife told me the story of a woman who had a problem. She paid somebody to do a job, the man did not do it. She was a widow. And, you know, the man decided to collect her money. I was not doing anything for her. So the woman said, what do I do? So one night she woke up and put a big chair down and said, Lord, please, can you sit here? The way you see it, like a cut scene, you know? Said, Lord, please sit here. Then she stood and told, there was no other person there, but just so the man, stand here. Nobody, just her. She was praying. I said, Lord, please sit here. Let's call the man's name. Give me a name. Okay, let's call the man's name. If I am Muhammad, all right? <laughs> so if I am Muhammad, please stay here. Did you get the catch there? Who's Muhammad? Or oh, God, the two first names. <laughs> so it's okay, please. Mr. If I am Muhammad, please stay here. And turn to the chair and say, Lord, I give this man money since two, three weeks ago, to clear this piece of land for me so I can do this and that. He took my money. He has refused to do anything. I have called him and called him. Now he's threatening me. You know, he just said everything. He said, please be a judge between me and him. Let me make a long story short. That was a prayer. Face the empty chair and said, God of heaven, please sit here while I present my case. Avenge me of my adversary. Next morning, she woke up. She was going to walk. She passed by the place he said the man should clear. This was around 8 a.m. The place was already clear. Now, let me get my point. By yesterday evening, it had not been touched. By 8 a.m., it was clear. Which means that man got to work maybe 5 o'clock. She was 
seriously surprised. And when she came there, I said, ah, Mr. F.I. Don't, don't come near me. Don't come near me. Stay away from me. That this woman is a witch. You know what happened? I don't know exactly how it happened to him, but I can just, you know, the Lord just dispatched, the Lord judged and said to angels, make sure he clears that place. So at night, while he was lying down, two angels came on. Come on, my friend, get up. <laughs> you know, the Bible called terror of great darkness came upon him. And he knew that what they were saying is go and clear the land for which you have collected payment. He packed his tools early in the morning. He was out of his house. By the time the normal people were going about, he, had, he was finished. He had, fin- he had finished it. Did I, did you remember, no, sorry, did I remember to call him another name, the judge of the living and the dead? Sometimes we need to kneel down and say, Lord, what have I, you come to me, you say, there's a pain in my back. They said it's because my deep slick, the disc slipped. I don't, they said the doctor will fuse two vertebrae and this and that, and my deposit for surgery is 1.5 million. Really, I don't want the surgery, so I want you to operate. So how do you want me to lie down? <laughs> yeah, do you know the Lord operates? He's a, very, he's a fantastic anesthetist. He put the man to sleep. What does the anesthetist do? And opened his side, removed the ribs, and, and closed the flesh thereof. He mentioned we have what we call closure, primary closure and secondary closure. God's only zeroed closure. That is, is better than God's primary closure in, in medicine. The scar will be small and thin. In God's own, there was no scar. When it was done, he ran a finger over it and laser closed it. And the man got off from his anesthetized state. And God took the, the portion of his rib he took, went back into the laboratory. Are you getting my point? Created the new being. Do you know who we are dealing with here? The reason why we don't feel his power is that we don't know how to approach him. We want healing. We'll be going to the God that created the moon. What is the problem? Do you understand my point? You're looking for healing. You're discussing the God that created the moon. So when you get there, he's an idol. I don't know whether you're getting my point. You're sitting like an idol, not like a living God. Now, you know you created the moon. Thank you very much for the moon. The moon is doing its own creating tidal with all over the place. Right here, I came to see the, doc, the doctor of the living, the, the, the greatest physician. We're not, I don't need another moon. The one you created is good enough. I will call you the God that created the moon. I'm observing the moon. When I see scientists talking about flying over the moon, who, who, who crash landed on the moon last week? Jukes, who crash landed? Israel. Israel sent them, they crash landed on the moon. And then I will say, God, who created the moon? Israel has crash landed on your moon. That's time we discuss the creation of the moon. But when I'm not feeling well, when I come to his presence, in my mind, I assume I have an appointment with a specialist. I sit down. Say, Lord, take my blood pressure. I hope it is okay. You don't think it's okay? Reduce it. Sometimes he gives you prescriptions. What do you want me to do to reduce it? He said, you know how he went up in the first place? When did you sleep yesterday? He I slept at uh, 1 a.m. Why were you sleeping at 1 a.m.? I had a deadline in the office. Okay. Last, the day before, what did you sleep? What did you sleep? I was 2 a.m. Why? I had a deadline in church. All right. The day before, when did you sleep? 
Mm, I wasn't too late. 12.30 and 1 a.m., I was asleep. Why? I had the deadline at home. Fine. Mr. Deadline, continue deadline everything. So, when do you wake up all of these things? I have to leave there. I know there's hold up at the Transeclo Bridge. So I have to be out of Transeclo by 6.30, which means I have to be awake by 4.30 because I have to do this. So, my son, you are telling me you have been sleeping for three and a half hours every day for the last one week, and you are asking me why your blood pressure is up? Here is my prescription. Take the scripture that says the Lord gives to his beloved even while he sleeps. Take it three times a day. Double dose at night. Do you understand that? Yes, sir. Next patient, then you go on. You go out. I'm serious. I pray we we'll treat the Lord like that. Treat him, you know, like you're talking to the best on the job. Sometimes he will tell you, lie down here. That your back that's paining you, let me fix it. And literally, you will lie down. You wake up in the morning. He will leave you a bit of soreness for you, for you to know you were operated on. When you lie down like that, you, you just start feeling sleepy all of a sudden. It's an, it's an angel blowing gas in your face. It's anesthesia. It will crack your back open, rearrange everything, put your spinal cord back in order, put the disc back. By the time he's done, he always puts it back to way, the way it was originally. doesn't manage. But you know, we'll go to the doctor, pay him money, sit down there, be very patient with him. When is God? No patience, though. Today, today. Jesus will answer me today, today. He's fight. Are you getting my point? The prayer is a giddy fight. You must answer me. Especially when we have paid two tithes and given one offering. We will not have boldness. This is my tithe booklet. Let me tell you. If you read that tithe booklet again to pray, you are in trouble. We are not going to ah, after the work I have done in church. People be, don't believe all those testimonies. The one I read the other day. A woman said, I reminded God of my work in the vineyard. God said, what if I remind you of the work you did not do anywhere else? The work you did not do at home. The work you did not do in your office. That is the problem. Well, we don't treat prayer like we are talking to the specialists in the field. We don't treat it like that. We treat it like we are talking to an idol. Go to this president and shake your head. <laughs> Speaking in tongues of men and tongues of angels. At the end of the day, you have prayed. No, I went to all of this and explained something. I was talking about medicine. That God is a specialist. He's a specialist. And if you come, and the good thing about his own clinic, there's nothing like incurable. If a part is not there, he forms it and puts it. But we have to, you know, you have to approach him humbly. You know, when you get to a clinic, you know, you don't, you, you don't fight with the doctor. You listen. You listen. Like that woman I was telling you about. You know what happened? The daughter's ears were the problem. And our guy said that day, the specialist said, take these drops, wrote the prescription, that they are going to give you drop, drops, it's for the nose. The woman said, sorry, you meant the ears? No, 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 no. no. I mean, I want it dropped down the nostrils. You will lift her neck like this and drop it this way so it can track along the side and she will be okay. Now, let us assume now that you, and have, oh God, you don't know patients. They said, no, that doctor, he didn't hear us well. We said ear was paining her. They will go there, bend the guest ear, put the ear. 
Then they will come back after. You no, know, they give one month appointment. After one month, how is she? Talk. She can't hear anything again. Ah. Did you use the medicine that I said? Yes. In fact, the pharmacist gave us two. They said that because she's small, that will be enough for the four weeks. Ah. And no improvement. He checks again, checks again. Yeah, it's the same problem now. Ah, maybe the drug is fake. Say, eh? Or did she let you, she didn't let you put it in her nose? What? Her nose. You put her nose. No, doctor, no, no, after I left here, I just reasoned that since the ear that's spinning her. That, it's funny, but it happens every day in hospital. It happens every day. You will look at the patient, you will look at yourself. You, you, know, you don't even know how to react. I said, put it in the nose. Did that look like an idiot that day? How many of you remember? There's one particular joke, like that one doctor that they... Is it, there's one doctor's program, hospital program. One very smart doctor, but it's very weird. So the woman came and said, my asthma, I came last time, told you guys to fix it. You didn't do anything, only got worse. The, woman, the man said, all right, um, why are you taking the inhaler the way we say you should take it? He said, is it, you said, you get your inhaler? I said, yes. Are you sure you're using it right? The woman said, do I look like an idiot? The doctor said, no. You are not an idiot. I'm sorry. It's all right. No problem. You're not an idiot. Now, can you bring out your inhaler? Let me see how you are using it. The woman brought it out. The guy looked at her. No, you are not an idiot. You are not an idiot. You are not. You are not an idiot. He thought it was perfume. <laughs> now, many of us we treat the Lord like that. He gives prescriptions; they don't make sense. So we go back home and do it our way. That's it. He said, my son, attend to my words. I like that testimony of the prince. Attend to my words. He took those things literally. Took it literally. He said, what, how do I get healed? I focus on the word. Incline your ears to my saying. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. I keep on mixing heart and ears. Anyway, you, you get the point. So for their life to do, to find them. So he focuses on it three times a day. That's what they used to do. He used to do it with food. Every time he wants to eat, you bring out the Bible. He had, he had underlined scriptures all over the place on divine health, divine healing. So anytime he wants to eat, he would open the Bible, read a few lines on divine health, confess those words out, say, Lord, I believe them. Then he will eat. When he finishes eating, he will do it again. And he did it three times a day. Can't remember for sure now. I think in two months or so, he, became, he was cured of what doctors had not been able to cure for over a year. Because he followed the prescription. What am I saying today? Let's treat the Lord like what? A living specialist. Pastor E. Adebo gave a testimony that when he was finishing his PhD, he was having, because he trained in mathematics, he was having a problem with his mathematics. And he prayed. And the Lord just told him, separate the equation. That he just had this impression about the Red Sea. So he separated the equation into two. And what he had been struggling over for weeks, he solved it in a short time. I hope you know the Lord knows mathematics. Yes. I hope you know. Don't think that you need to teach him the YDX. Say, Lord, no, no, no. That's the rate of, the rate of gain of... Um, no, no, no. He knows prime numbers. He can think in prime numbers. 
He knows everything. If you have mathematical problems, settle down. Bow your head and say, Lord. Like I told you, the pose you take depends on the problem you bring. If you bring engineering problems, design problems, sit on a drawing table. You can sit. It's not composite, you must stand. You can sit, lay the paper out, lay the sketches out, and bow your head and say, like, master. Now, you know the way, you know the way Chinese people used to do it? You submit to the master. And they always say, let me teach you. If you watch that, I, like, I love Chinese people. I, look, look. Let's go there small. I love Chinese films. I, you know, when I was young, you know the films I did not like? I hated romance stories. I couldn't understand. If you want to marry, marry. What is one that we must watch you for three hours? I couldn't get the point. I disliked romance stories, romance novels. I didn't understand. And for that reason, I watched only a few Indian films. Shule. I'll die for mama. But what is it? There was one, just number, number 10. I hated that film from the beginning. No, no, not number 10. No, 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 no. Sunita, Sunita, Sunita. I hated Sunita from the beginning to the end. Why? It was one long, unending love story. They go sing, 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 go, sing, go. And all the girls in the neighborhood will be very, very happy. But me, my favorite films, Chinese films. And some people say, I, I don't like Chinese films. You just be fighting for not, nothing. It's the fight we came to watch. Who, who, who cares? Who cares how it started? They fight for all kinds of reasons. Somebody's bucket falls. I don't know if I want to catch it. Don't catch my bucket. That's, you see, the, that the next 30 minutes, they're fighting around the bucket. That's what we came to watch. The reason for the fight is not part of the story. Oh, I love Chinese films. Then when I began to understand some spiritual things, I loved them even more. And if you go and check every Chinese film, the job of the master is to teach the people that there's nothing else. You see enemies fighting, fighting, fighting. Ah! Then when one, one enemy, enemy B finds that enemy A is too powerful, he will stop the fight and bow. And say, can I, can I come and learn? And that's it. Fight over. Just enroll in the school of Kung Fu, on fighting, that's it. You just go there and bow and learn. I pray we Christians who have that Chinese attitude and treat the Lord, that's what I'm going to, as what? Master. So they call it everything, every Chinese has a master, you know that? Everything is master, master, master. But we treat, no, that's one thing I've learned in the last few months. We treat the Lord Jesus like idol, idol, idol. No, treat him like a master. A real living person who understands what you don't understand and who will give you the knowledge if you will submit to his authority. That's how he is. So if he says, by my stripes you are healed, the answer is, yes, master. That's all. Sometimes you come, you sit down that clinic we're talking about, and he says, go, there's nothing wrong with you. You don't tell him, say, eh, ah, let me explain. Anytime I want to raise my shoulder, the pain starts from my leg, and it comes up like this. He looks at you and says, I said there is nothing wrong with you. Once you hear there's nothing wrong with you, say, yes, master, get up and go. The Lord doesn't give advice. Don't ever forget it. He doesn't give advice. If there's nothing wrong with you, your response is what? Amen. 
When you come and they say, why did you come? Say, oh, I didn't know there was nothing wrong with me. Nothing wrong with you? That's what he said. Go and ask him. He has checked me. He said there is nothing wrong. I pray we will treat the Lord like that. It's crucial we treat the Lord like that. Now, having understood that, having received words from him, having attended his clinic, or when we are approaching to attend, like I said earlier, it's power that has been generated inside us. We read this number of scriptures to, be, to bring something out again. Jesus said, in fact, that's actually very beautiful, what I just explained now. He said, have faith in God constantly. When he spoke to the tree, that reaction happened with the tree. Now, this is my understanding. He wasn't thinking much about the tree. He spoke kind of in anger. What kind of tree is this one? The way you and I, we speak in anger sometimes. But in this case, his words were so powerful. Why? There was power that was being released. It wasn't like he was having words of, you know, looking for how to generate power with words. No. Power was inside him. The power was now being released by words. And so they said, have faith in God constantly. Have faith in God constantly. What, that, what does that mean? It means that in everything, like I just gave as an example now, we have been dealing with him by faith. It's not only when we have trouble, we start dealing with him by faith. Do you understand? That's why we make mistakes. We do every other thing the way we like. Then when it's time for problems to be solved, we now come to him and we expect to receive the kind of power that we desire. But it doesn't work like that. What we need to do is to walk by faith before him all the time. When we walk by faith before him all the time, then, now listen to this, the words, the understanding, the things he has taught us over time, we now respond to situations with them. And without even realizing we are releasing power, power is released. Do you get the point? Even without trying to release power, power is released. Why? Those words are an overflow of experiences we have had with him. Like the one I gave as an example now. So I leave the place. Somebody says, so how are you feeling? There's nothing wrong with me. Now, I say that confidently. Why? The great physician said, there is nothing wrong with me. And once I say that, things that I thought they were wrong before, they start correcting themselves. Now, don't forget something. The tree didn't die that day. Did it die that day? Jesus uttered the words, if a child came one hour later, he would still climb that tree and hide inside from his friends. If a child came ten hours later, maybe twelve hours later, is the following day. Because what happened, as soon as he spoke the words, from the roots, it began to happen. On the surface, it was not obvious. Sometimes what God is doing does not become immediately apparent. But there's another key. We must hold on to faith for what he started to become fully manifested. So if he says there's nothing wrong with you, no matter how you feel, just everybody, there's nothing wrong with you. What is happening? I'm getting, that is, don't worry. The symptoms are disappearing. Why? Because fundamentally, there is nothing wrong with me. I hope you're getting my point. Fundamentally, there is nothing wrong with me. It doesn't mean I feel like that. I'm just reporting what I have been told. And as to me, one of the greatest revelations I've found in the scriptures is the fact that Paul explained that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is inside you and is doing what? Giving life to your mortal body. I like that expression. That is giving life. It's working. He said life works in you. You understand? That's a very powerful expression. That is, it's working. If they believe, you receive. That's actually what Jesus said. If you ask God for anything, believe you receive. 
and you shall have. The way we interpreted it, and sometimes in the Bible, I say, believe you have received. Jesus didn't say, believe you have received. It just like, believe you receive was difficult to interpret in English unless you understood exactly what he had in mind because the expression does not exist in English. So we try to anglicize it. We now said, believe you have received. So people now say, believe you have, just believe that you have received. And yeah, sometimes it works, but you see, fundamentally there's not a problem. You tell a man, he said, I need 10,000 naira. He said, believe you have received 10,000 naira. He said, but if I have received, how come I will have? Is the Lord contradicting himself? He said, believe you have received and you shall have. The problem we had was because we tried to bring that in into English. If you understood what he was saying, this is my understanding of it. The best expression in English is, believe you are receiving and you shall have. That one makes sense. It's easy for Christians to have operate that one. So, I need 10,000 naira. You come to my pocket, you tap. I don't have it, but I have prayed. You say, where is the 10,000 naira? And I tell you, the Lord has granted it, and it is working. Are you getting my point? The process of bringing it into my life has been set. So we can start watching out for it. It will soon come. I don't know whether you are getting my point. Because sometimes Christians now have problems. They go and say, I have 10,000 naira. Give me the shirt. I have 10,000 naira. So the person gives you the shirt. So where is the 10,000 naira? I say, wait. Now give me my shirt. I beg. I thought you had money. But it would have been better if we went there and said, Oh, keep that thing for me. I hope you have enough of them. I'll be back when? Over the next few days. Why? Now, just to expand, expand it. Because a process has been initiated that's going to culminate in my receiving the 10,000. So believe you are receiving. That's my understanding of it. What does that mean? It means believe it is working. So life is working. So, right now, I'm not feeling well. But deep inside me, I know I'm getting better. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Deep, I know I'm getting better. Why? Because God has granted me the seed of healing. And it is working. Just like that tree did not die instantly, but the root died that day. In the same manner, the root of the sickness is dead. The manifestation may take a while. But I hold on to the truth. I hold on to the word. I hold on to what he has said. Listen, I probably understand this. I'm not trying to confess, eh, in Jesus' name, I'm well, in Jesus' name, I'm well, when I don't believe. No, I'm convinced. I'm convinced. I've told you before, here as an illustration, that disease that doctors will give you one year, and they say, for it to go away in that one year, you take this drug every day. And patients take the drugs diligently every day. There are some that they, they say it's not going away, we are going to control it. And to achieve control, like diabetes and hypertension, they treat you every single day. And people patiently follow them. And this is the experience I've had. If we patiently follow the Lord, Kai will see greater results. Because with him, the moment, look, three weeks, it took Daniel to see that result, that angel that came. But you know what the angel said to Daniel? The very first day you set out to pray this matter, you heard. And then I was told to go. So what were you doing for three weeks that you kept me here? My brother, it's not my fault. I had obstacles on the way. Now, for us believers, I said, what are the obstacles? You have to know how to interpret these things. There was every power fighting my destiny. Die by fire. I will ask you a simple question. Did Daniel pray that prayer? Because sometimes we, you know, we carry one aspect. We don't look at the second side. Did Daniel say that? 
The angels did not get there. But you see one thing that Daniel was doing? He was laying down his petition on a daily basis. And this is what I can tell you from understanding. Each day, an obstacle is removed in his heart and through his prayer for the people of God. That weakens, listen to me, you must understand, negative forces like that that withstand the blessing of God that's coming, they are empowered by certain things in us. I don't know what I heard I said. It's as those things are being removed that they are losing their power. I hope you're getting my point. I like one thing that Andrew Mark said once. I listened to one message of his. Very beautiful. He said, those days that he will pray for something, that it will take him so long to get the result. He said, later on he found out what was happening. That unbelief, having prayed, unbelief was so powerful that it was withholding the prayer from manifesting. So that, why did it take three weeks? Let's take um, Andrew Mark's three weeks now. Is that those were the three weeks he needed to kill every bit of the unbelief that's a hindrance. Sometimes we pray to God for, let's say, financial miracle, promotion and all of that. And God immediately answers. So the angel moves. As he's approaching us, he, see, he hears us on the phone. Hey, Uncle, if you don't want to help me now, leave it now. This is, now you turn to your wife. That's how people are. My father helped him. He doesn't want to help me now. So the angel will never, listen to me, he will never, he won't go back to heaven, no, but he will never deliver the answer as long as you are thinking like that. So we follow you up and down. Until you achieve forgiveness. And not forgiveness for the sake of forgiveness, but forgiveness out of understanding that promotion does not come from the east or the west or from the south. I hope you're getting my point here. Until that is broken, that blessing cannot come. So sometimes it takes like three days of intense temptation to call somebody like that, your uncle, that you expect to help. And you resist it for three days. Say, no, I'm not calling anybody again. I'm not angry with them, but I think that my mind has been on them for too long. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. Once they say, Lord, I'm sorry, the angel moves closer. And then, as they're about to deliver, he hears you tell your wife, say, Man, when that money comes, they are dead in this place. Say, who's dead? See, we are going to oppress everybody. Baby, don't worry, I'm going to buy you a car. And that time, eh, you won't carry anybody. The one that didn't carry you all this while. The angel will not go back home. He will stay there at the door. As long as you are plotting that kind of evil and iniquity in your heart, nothing. Nothing. As long as you are plotting like that, nothing. Then after some time, you know, they walk in heaven, they walk funny. Sometimes they walk as if they are not in the same team, but they are on the same team. The Holy Spirit will come as if he doesn't know that angel. He'll say, come, come. Let's go to church. Just go to church. You now sit down. You now put the word in the mouth of pastor for that Sunday. You'll go to James. The Lord wants to bless you. You want to spend it on your lust. How can the blessing come? Is the Holy Spirit too? You want, are you one day, Pastor? Were you there? Okay, the money will now come now. You now buy your wife a big car so you can, she can be splashing water on your neighbors. And you're looking like, did you talk to him? <laughs> Repent! That you're blessed. That suddenly your wife says, okay, stop talking. I think we are guilty. Two of you say, ah, no, we are very sorry. That was not what we made. You know, that prayer we asked for it so that we can, you know, okay. 
Lord, we are not oppressed us in the name of Jesus. In fact, if I buy you a car, baby, for the first one week, we'll be carrying all the neighborhood children to school as a sign of repentance. Then the angel moves closer. Listen to me. As long as it takes to achieve all these corrections in your heart, that's how stretched your three weeks will be. Are you getting my point? Yes. You cannot get and say, every power, stop my destiny. They, are, they don't have power. Oh, God, they don't have. It's you that energizes them by every bit of you that's not in agreement with the precepts of God. But all the same, you maintain the confession. Life is working. It is working. Are you getting my point? Yes. The, the, um, um, and Roman said in his own experience, said, unbelief, it might take him weeks to fight the unbelief and kill it. And when the unbelief is fully killed, then the answer will manifest. I hope you're getting my point here. I hope you learned something from that today. Let's get back to where we began from. So, our declaration, once power has been generated, we must release with our mouth that which has been generated for it to have effect in our lives. Once power has been generated, you don't keep quiet. You don't keep quiet. You get to situations, you respond out of the abundance of the heart. Don't, let, let's not forget it. We constantly fill our hearts with the truth of God. He said, because he said, therefore I can boldly say. So we must first know what he said. And but once we, have, once we have found it out, what do we do? We boldly say. Especially, especially. Now it's good to just get up and declare for nothing. Just declare like that. That is good. But especially when you have to respond to a situation. Are you getting my point? One of the words I found most powerful is the one Jesus used, no one will eat of your fruit again. <laughs> I woke up yesterday, I suddenly had this in- interesting headache. For was this, you know, the core of my head. You know, there, there's headache on this side, there's headache on this side, there's headache, there's different ones. But there are some that they are rising from the center. Ah, I, I have a funny habit. I'll quickly check, why do I have a headache? What, what, what I mean is this. Wait, was that I have not been sleeping? Or what is it, you know? I just look for reasons. Once I don't find a quick reason, then I just do the simple thing. No one will eat of your fruit again. That's it. In the name of Jesus, by the strife of Jesus, I've been healed. I get up and go about my business because I watch I have a headache. I found that scripture very powerful. No one will eat of your fruit again. You know why I like that one? Because what is the cause of the headache you don't know? Let me give you six causes of headache. Stress, give me another one. Malaria, give me another one. Meningitis, I'm getting to more serious things as I'm going on. Are you getting my point? Give me another one. Okay, hunger, that's at the bottom. So let's start again. Hunger is a very simple one. Stress is another one. But I'm adding serious things as we're going on. Hunger, stress, malaria, and other fevers, then meningitis, then brain tumor, and then serious brain tumor. All of them showing up with headache. All you know is what? Headache. But when the word of God is working, where does it kill from? From the root. And this word is so powerful, it doesn't care the kind of root. If you get to the root, it's hunger. He will look for food for you. If you get to the root, it is stress. He will warn you seriously. Go and sleep. If you get to the root, it is brain tumor. Say, hey, I like this one. It will kill it. It will kill it. One day you will sneeze. One thick kata will come from your nose. You don't know it's the remnant of the brain tumor. You wrap it in tissue, flush it down the toilet. And it's when you get to heaven, you know what God has done for you. I can assure you. Many of us, it's when we get to heaven, we'll know the kind of deliverances he has delivered us from. There are people walking on the road. You hear, 
you kill the mosquito. You don't dash the bullet. Shoo! You know, bullet and mosquito, they sound alike. So you, you do you think it's a bee. That bullet just escaped. You know, you just escaped death. It was in for your head, though. I hope you don't know. I said, I hope you know. It was in for your head. Just a vroom. So you look, what is that? You think it's a, you think it's a bee. It's not a bee. It's a bullet. And you know what? You can't come to church to testify because you did not know. No, it's not a joke. I've seen things like that before. No, I'm not joking. You know, I've seen things like that before. I've seen a man who was a doctor in Lagos was walking on the road. He just felt as if water had dropped on his neck. Warm water. He touched it. It was his own blood. He had been shot in the head. Good enough, it was low velocity. So the pellet lodged in his scalp. He was just walking in the evening. He just felt something on his neck. So, you know, he just like this. Ah! Blood! Ah! Blood. Rushed to casualty. They checked. There were pellets lodged all over his scalp. He didn't feel anything. He didn't hear any gunshot. And I've been called to do an autopsy on a little boy who shattered in his sleep, woke up. There was a hole in his neck and he bled to death. And I told them, he was in his room, the doors locked. They no go here. And nobody knew what happened. That's how I was called. They went back and checked. They saw the hole in the ceiling where a falling bullet killed him. No, I'm not kidding. No, it happens all the time. In many states in America, firing into the air is banned because falling bullets kill people. People don't know that. You fire into the air. Two arm. It goes very high. One is returning. It's returning almost as nozzle velocity minus a bit of resistance. Bam, it penetrates somebody's skull. Killed the chief bridesman a few years ago. They were dancing. One happy Mopo released a shot into the air. When it dropped, it hit the head of Chief Bridesmaid on the dancing floor. So when I say that, I don't think I'm kidding. I give examples of out of things I have seen. But you know the point? You've been delivered from so many you're not even aware. That's the point. You know, we like dramatic testimonies, and it's good. It encourages us. But as a matter of fact, we are delivered so often we're not aware. We are delivered so often, we are not aware. And I want us to trust in the deliverance of God. The newspapers give us too many stories to make us afraid. For me, I want to turn the stories around. One child was going, dogs attacked the child and killed the child in Portacot. When you are going on the road, teach your children how to man for dogs. How to watch out for dogs. I want to teach my children anything about dogs. When you are leaving the house, I'm going to give you a word. The Lord will be with you you're going out and you're coming in. In case you don't know, angels kill dogs. Angels, they kill dogs. If any dog goes near my child so as to attack and grievously injure him or her, an angel will step on his skull and crush it. It will look like a car. You think it's a car that crushed the dog. It's my child's angel. You warn yourself. You look, who's your owner? Your owner is a sinner. Crush! Throw it away. You aren't going to scare me. I won't give in to fear. Because God, my God is alive. Are you getting my point? What am I going to say? We just utter simple words. No one will eat of your fruit again. Listen. Diabetes will die. Cancer will die. Many people here, the cancer that was planning to kill you in about 18 years, today it dies. Amen. Rest your feet. Just because you say, 
No one will eat of your fruit again. Let's begin to, let's start with giving the Lord thanks. Let's thank him because he's working miracles in our lives. Even when we're not aware. Say, Lord, I thank you. You are working your miracles in my life, even when I'm not aware. Say, Lord, I thank you. You are working your miracle in my life, even when I'm not aware. You're working your miracle in my life, even when I'm not aware of it. Say, Lord, I thank you because you are my specialist in every area. You're my specialist in health matters. You're my specialist in non-health matters. I'm my chief engineer. My chief architect. My chief psychologist. (laughs) My chief designer. You are the one that puts laughter in my mouth. I don't want to call him a comedian, you know, in that sense, but he puts laughter in our mouth. Then was our mouth filled with laughter. Yes, God puts laughter in mouth. So say, Lord, I thank you. Because you are putting laughter in my mouth. Lord, I thank you. Because you are putting laughter in my mouth. Say, Lord, I declare concerning your office as a physician in my life. As a doctor in my life. You are the great physician. Call him that name. You are the great doctor. You are the specialist. You are the cardiologist that's beyond all others. You are the neurosurgeon that's beyond all others. You are the gynecologist that's better than all others. You are the pediatrician that knows everything. You are the creator that's still creating. You replace parts. You made the human body, so you replace parts easily. Not a trouble for you, not at all. I'm acknowledging you for who you are in that area this evening. Call him that name. I don't want to see the Lord as, as an idol in one corner. We go to bow to. Think in your brain, in your mind, like he's a doctor you are seeing in his clinic. You are sitting before him. Say, Lord, heal my eyes, heal my nose, heal my tongue, heal my intestine, heal my intestines. I've been bleeding inside for some time. I come, Lord, heal it. And he says to you this evening, go, it is well with you. Now say to that symptom, if you have any symptom in your body, now begin to speak to that symptom. Say, henceforth, no one will eat of your fruit hereafter. Beautiful expression. I will not eat of your fruit again. You don't know what it is, so I can stand here and count so many reasons why people bleed internally. But what does it matter to you? All you know is, henceforth, no one eats of your fruit hereafter. No one. You're not wasting my money. You're not giving me pain at night. You're not keeping me up at night again. You're not giving me worries. No one eats of your fruit hereafter. And I'm saying to you, in the name of Jesus, that disease will dry, die from the root. In the name of... Now, speak to your body. Speak to your body. Speak. If you have any symptom here, say, no one. I will not eat of your fruit hereafter. Say it. I will not eat of your fruit after now. I will not eat of your fruit after now. Yes, as I'm declaring the word, say, in the name of Jesus, by the authority of the great and greatest physician, by the authority of that greatest physician, I say, no one, I, will not eat of your fruit hereafter. That stomach pain, I will not eat of your fruit hereafter. Lay hands on your child in your mind, I will not eat of your fruit hereafter. Lay hands on your wife 
in your mind. She may not be here. I will not eat of your fruit hereafter. We are speaking concerning ailment. We are speaking concerning the ailment. What we see are those leaves. It's signifying that there is a root down there. You may not know the root. Speak through the leaves to the root. It may be a headache. Say headache. Stop giving it the glorified name, migraine. As if you know it's something you to worship. We pay tithes and offerings to it. We buy medicine for it. It's own portion of our income. Let's speak to it today. Say headache in the name of Jesus. The authority of the great physician. By it I speak to you. I will not eat of your fruit hereafter. What you are saying is die from the roots. You are using the words of the Lord Jesus. What you are saying is die from the roots. Die from the root. Die from the root. Die from the root. Die from the root. That's what you are saying. Remember, with him, nothing is incurable. With him, nothing is impossible. With him, nothing is incurable. With him, nothing is impossible. With him, nothing is incurable. And nothing is impossible. Let's come before that great physician this evening. Said, no one is eating of the fruit of this sickness hereafter. Now begin to give thanks because he has heard you. Begin to give thanks. He's working his miracle in your life. Begin to give thanks. Begin to give thanks. Begin to give thanks. Say, Lord, I thank you. Remember, thanksgiving is a sign of faith. It's the number one sign of faith. It's the number one sign of faith. Thanksgiving, number one sign of faith. Number one sign of faith. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. Because life is working in me. It is working. I receive. I, re- I believe I receive. I believe I receive. And I know it's going to manifest. I believe I receive. I believe I receive. It's working. It's working. The machinery is working. Unbelief is dying. Unbelief is dying. Today, unbelief is dead. The reason why we had this long talk before we began to pray is because unbelief needed to die. Unbelief is dead. Unbelief is dead. Trust in human beings is dead. Thinking God cannot do it is dead. Becoming impatient with the Lord is dead. Unbelief is dead. Unbelief is dead. Therefore, it will manifest in the name of Jesus. Begin to declare to yourself, it's manifesting. My health is blossoming. Blossoming. It's breaking forth speedily. My health is breaking forth speedily. The root of cancer in my body has died today. The root of hypertension, the root of you know, brain tumors, the root of diabetes, the root of all kinds of disease, premature death is dead today. Whether I know about it or not, God's wonders, His miracles, they are being worked in my life. His angels have charge over me. They are keeping me in all my ways. Give Him thanks for that. In Jesus' name we are prayed. Can you just declare after me say in the name of Jesus? Jesus. Father, I give you praise praise. for your promises, for your your power, for for what you are doing in my life. I thank you for the resurrection power of Christ Jesus. Say, Lord, I declare as follows. That the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is working in me right now. Is giving life to my mortal body. Say, in me, life is working. In me, life is working. Healing is working. Recovery is working. See, from my bone marrow, 
to my skin. From my intestine to my skin. From inside to outside. The resurrection power of Christ Jesus. That same power that raised him from the dead is working in me. Say, life is working in me. Sickness is dying. From the root, it is dead. Say, from the root, every affliction, every trouble in my body is dead. Right now, the root is dead. And I'm receiving the manifestation. Say, life is working. Say, now, let me tell you something. Doctors like to give prognosis. What is prognosis? Expect, expected outcome. Are you getting my point? So, pardon me. Let me use the word prognosis, okay? All right. Say, this is my prognosis. This is my prognosis. It shall be well. It shall be well. That's important, too. No matter what you go through, don't ever forget. That's your prognosis. It shall be well. Sometimes Christians, they get angry. Why did I fall, fall sick? Why are you getting angry that you fell sick? The righteous man falls sick how many times? The important is that every time he will get well. So you wake up tomorrow, your whole body is pain. You can't get up. You can't even see clearly. First thing you just say, just laugh. This is my prognosis. It shall be well. You start with that basis. That's I told the story of one woman. The child's ears were almost blocked. But once the doctor just started talking and said, don't worry about that. You know, we are going to give you. And that drug was very cheap. The drug is prescribed. Cheap. Just put in the nose three times a day and then you... The woman started laughing. Why can I see a smile on your face? Is anybody not smiling? If you know it is working in you, you should be happy. 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 This is your prognosis. It shall be well. Because every trouble is dead from the root. It won't die tomorrow. Now it is dead from the root. You know when he died? When Jesus went to the cross. So right now, every affliction is dead. Amen. Every trouble is dead. Amen. Life is working. Say in the name of Jesus. Life is working in me. Life is working in me. Life is working in me. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is giving life to my mortal body. Give the Lord praise. Just give him thanks. Say, Lord, I thank you. 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 Say, Lord, I thank you.